Hey, that's why we trust him. He is a good, good heavenly father, worthy of our trust, worthy of our worship. And uh, what an amazing time in his presence. Amen. Uh, we have been in this series, and throughout the series, Generations Following by Faith, we're affirming our trust in the Lord and, and our desire to follow Him. And we're seeing incredible fruit in and through Pathway right now. I mean, last weekend we had 36 baptisms. It's amazing to see what God was doing. Uh, it was actually at the end of this service that we extended an invitation for anyone that uh, might have not been ready, but actually God was calling them to be baptized. A lot of the service had been dismissed and we stayed and around one o'clock we baptized five more people. It was amazing after they met with our staff and, you know, through council, it was just so cool. And then uh, this weekend, our men are, are away on a retreat. There were five men that were baptized yesterday as a part of that. So it is just amazing to be a part of what God is doing. And uh, this last you know, message in the series uh, is, is really, I think, an invitation God is giving to us to say, listen, I've been tilling the soil of your hearts. I've been getting you ready. I want you to, to look around you and to realize all that I'm doing and the invitation I'm offering to you to follow me by faith. I believe he has incredible plans for your life, for the life of those around us, and for the life of our church this year. Amen. As we think about that through the series, you know, there's all these moments in Hebrews 11 where it says, by faith. Can you say that? By faith. 18 of them, in fact, where it, it shares a story of somebody who, by faith, was following God. It's been really uh, cool in the series to hear from different generations, even at the beginning of this service, right? You have Pastor Doug up here, our senior adult pastor, and you have a youth pastor and a young adult pastor and the next generation, and it's like, God's doing it. Are, are we aware of it? Are we seeing it and celebrating it, right? It's so amazing to see what he's doing. During the series, there's also been funny moments, moments where we're asked questions about different things. This graphic is one of those. We were asked so many times this summer if that person in that graphic attends the church. Uh, some of you know that's John Cranman. He actually does attend the church, and uh, he's a volunteer and a leader here. And uh, John is so thankful the series is finishing because... <laughs> He and we had no idea how many times his face was going to be on that screen. We just didn't even think it through, right? Uh, but we love John and we love his family. That's his daughter there. And uh, our staff, I, I think, got a little bored last week and they had a little fun with the graphic because the other question we got uh, was, is that Pastor Randy? So let's take a look. This showed up in our tech rehearsal on Thursday, and I'm like, oh, that's priceless. We, we got to do something with that. So, uh, no, it is not Randy. Clearly, it is uh, John. And so whether they are bored or not, I don't know. But here's what I do know. As we dive into this today, there is an epidemic in our country. It isn't a pandemic, it's not a virus, it's not in the ways that maybe we've been, become conditioned to being worried about things over the last few years. It's actually something far deeper, far more pervasive. You know, we live in an economy that's based on consumption and entertainment. Why is that? Because for most of us, we're bored. And we live in a world that is actually trying to feed us things to deal with our boredom and as I was praying through this message, I, I was like, really, God? That's what you want me to talk about? Okay. So we're going to talk about today about curing boredom. Any of you bored? 
I mean, you, you may not think you are, you may not realize you are, but it's funny, in my generation, I can remember, you know, I'd be sitting in a chair or a seat, might be in a car, uh, my parents are in the room in this service, and, and there's these moments where you're like, I'm bored, right? And you hear that phrase, and it just drives you crazy, and you know, I'm a, a dad to four children, and I honestly realized in thinking this through that it, I haven't in the last 10 years heard that phrase from them as much as I probably said it when I was their age. Why is that? I think in a lot of ways because we have new ways to deal with our boredom, right? And so some of us, if, if we realize like we actually might be bored, but it's the things we're turning to in our boredom that we're not even aware of or realizing whether it's a phone and social media or entertainment or news or food or an addiction. And so, you know, you might even find yourself like you're literally at home, like laid out on the couch, right? I don't know if this works or not. I didn't practice it. And, and you're scrolling, right? You ever been in that position where you're sitting there scrolling because you're so bored? And, and as you're scrolling, like if you're like me, you get to the where you don't even make a choice. Like you spend more time looking and then you decide, oh, forget it. I'm not even going to watch anything. Anybody been there? You see, underneath that is this boredom. And, and you might go, well, that's just that generation. I don't know, guys. Let me show you some statistics. This is across generations. Social media users, we'll just talk about that. We won't talk about TV and movies and other things that we use to take care of our boredom. We'll just talk about social media for a minute. Ages 18 to 29, 84% are using it. Uh, ages 30 to 49, 81%, ages 50 to 64, 73%, 65 and up, 45%. And, and you might go, well, how much, how much are we using it to, to deal with this boredom, right? Here's the national average, two and a half hours a day. That's just social media. How bored are we without even realizing it, right? And as we look at this today, it is going to, I think, hopefully wake us up to some real cures for what's going on because the life that Jesus offers is an invitation to the adventure of a lifetime. The, the invitation from Jesus to follow him with an expectant faith and to believe for what he has for your life and the life of our church, there is nothing boring about that. So let's go to the text and take a look at this. We're gonna actually begin in Hebrews 12. I know I said we'd be in 11, we will be. But I want to show you in Hebrews 12, two verses. Hebrews 12, verse uh, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, anytime it's there, and it says therefore, it's because of what came before it. That's why we're going to go back to 11. But I want you to see what it says here at the end of all of this hall of fame of faith in chapter 11, and at the end of all these incredible stories by faith, notice what it says. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If you're taking notes, curing boredom begins by turning your attention to Jesus and letting go of any weight or sin that is clinging to you. By turning our attention to Jesus and be aware of the weights and the sins that are clinging to us. As you think about that, uh, you know, I've got some cling wrap up here. Glad wrap, actually. But, uh, you know, I'm more of a foil guy myself. I'm going to be honest. I don't know about you. But this stuff drives me crazy. 
I, I mean, this morning, I mean, it's already sticking to itself. Look at that. Like, I don't even, it may be the user, I don't know. But, but I will tell you this, it took me five minutes to get this roll open this morning. Like, it just, it just keeps clinging to itself, right? And, and as it does, like, there's always this moment where I'm trying to figure out how to use it, where I'm like, I, it, it just keeps sticking to itself and making a mess. And then I'm like, forget it, right? I just want to throw it because by then I'm like, the food's already stale. What's the point? Anybody else felt that way? So this, this cling, like think of sin as something that just wants to cling to us. And as it clings to us, it keeps clinging and weighing us down, pulling us aside. And so the author, God himself through the author, is trying to get us to realize that, listen, there are things that are clinging to you that you can just lay down. Sins that when we look to Jesus, he says, I can do something about that if you'll look to me and lay it down. It also uses the word in Hebrews 12:1 of weight. And this has been a summer for me where God is teaching me real time how to travel light. How, how to look to him and to lay down things that have been weighing me down. Anybody else feel weighed down at times? I mean, there's moments where God just says, hey, I, I want you to look to me and I want you to let go. I want you, whether it's sin or just the weight that you're feeling because of the things going on around you, I want you to travel light and lay it down and trust me. There's a funny moment on my way to church this morning as I'm driving. I'm driving down 58th and uh, as I'm driving down, we've lived here almost three years. I've taken this drive a number of times, right? And so as I'm driving in, I'm just praying and I'm like, God, help me to travel light. Help me to lay down the things. Help me to look to you. And there's this moment where I actually notice off the road quite a ways, a ranch. And as I look at the, like I just glance for a second, I see what looks like a horse falling down and like, I don't know if it's having a stroke or what's happening, but I'm like, that horse just fell down. And so I look forward and then I look back and because I'm traveling light and I'm aware, I'm able to notice, oh, that's not a horse. That's a llama. Now, you're like, what's wrong with this guy? I don't know, but I've traveled that road for almost three years and never noticed there was a llama on that ranch. I just wonder how many things you and I are missing because we're not facing Jesus and letting go of sin and the weights to be aware of what's really going on around us. God is there. He's available. And I believe inviting us into more with him. So let's look at chapter 11, the last few verses, and what I believe God wants us to see in this as we close out this series. Picking up in verse 32, it says, What more shall I say? For time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and of David and Samuel and the prophets. So he literally says, listen, I don't have enough time as I write this to tell you about their incredible stories. I will tell you, I went back to their stories this week. I reread them in the Old Testament and realized I don't have time to tell you their stories today either. So, so what I want you to know is their stories are real, real people that had real struggles, that found a very real God that showed up in the middle of their stories and did incredible things, not because they were perfect, but because their whole story in front of a holy God was able to be used by him. Amazing what God can do. 
So how did it happen? Verse 33, it says, who through faith, so it's through faith that God was able to, it says, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. That's pretty incredible. That's not a boring life, is it? That's an adventure. That's an invitation to see God do the miraculous in our world. There are ordinary people that God used in extraordinary ways. I believe he wants to do that in every generation, that he wants to use you and I in similar fashions as we walk by faith. Now, I want to point out a word to you in there that I think is important in this generation. If we go back, yep, 33, uh, the word justice. That word right now is a trigger word, if you didn't realize that. It is being politicized. It is being uh, indoctrinated with culture and other aspects. Some of us cannot hear that word without going into what we just heard or read on news or the social media. Here's why this is important. It's God's word. God's word here says justice. What does that mean? It means the foundation of God's throne throughout scripture, we're told, is righteousness and justice. That he actually, in the cross of Jesus Christ, delivers justice in its fullness through Jesus. Why would I say this today? Because if we're going to walk by faith in this generation, we can't allow God's word to be hijacked by the culture around us. We've got to come back to the word, and what does it say? Can I get an amen? So justice, biblical justice, not political, not cultural, biblical justice is his. And through faith, he was delivering that through these people. And I believe through Jesus in this generation, he wants to make his kingdom come to right every wrong. Come on, church. Y'all got triggered, didn't you? All right, verse 34, it goes on. It says, quench the power of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some, now here is where it shows up, where we're not always on the mountaintop, where there's also valleys, there's season of struggle, there's hard things that we go through by faith. It says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. That doesn't sound boring at all, does it? It says, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something, something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. They didn't get to see everything that God had promised, but they did their part. They were living by faith. If you're taking notes here, part of the cure for boredom is turning over our whole story to God with an expectant faith. You see, as they turned over their lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they said, God, I'm yours. I expect you to do something. I expect you to show up. I expect you to do something. They didn't always see what they had hoped for, 
But in the end, their legacy prevails because we're talking about them today. They walked by faith and were expectant. When I think of that word expectant, I, I go back to a, a season where we were expecting children. Uh, we, we have four children, three bio, one adopted, and uh, we've been through some, and, and when I say we, I mean really, come on, my wife is in the front row. She carried them, she delivered them, she gets all the, the glory, right? I mean, that's the truth. And every woman said? Yeah. Okay. Now, I was there in the room, and I was around, right? And so we had a break between kid two and kid three of about six years. And uh, there's a moment where as we're waiting on the third child to arrive, we kind of took things into our own hands a little bit. We decided, okay, it's you know, near the due date. It might have even been a, a, a few days after. We decided we're going to go and we're going to try to induce labor. We're going to see if we can do some of the things, right? So, so we go out and, and, and I drive over speed bumps in an empty warehouse parking lot. Brilliant, right? So we do this and, th and then we go and we have like a, a nice date dinner and, and it's over, you know, some really good spicy Mexican food. I think the meal was better for me than for her. And uh, so we have that meal. Nothing's working. So we had heard walking can help. She's a warrior. She's like, let's do it. So we go to a trail, we start walking. Now I shared this story, I think a couple years ago, some of you may have missed it. It is not my best moment in life, okay? We get out on this trail and we're walking and we have an expectant faith, right? That God is going to move. God is going to deliver, you know, our child and we're trying to, you know, get things moving. And so we're walking, she's doing great. And then she says, you know, Brian, and if you don't know this about me, I like nature and nature. I'm just that guy where I can appreciate it, but I don't trust it. Like keep it, a, you know, keep it at a distance. And, and so as we're walking, she says, Brian, there's something wrong with that squirrel. And there's this squirrel that's like coming at us, like with a look in its eyes that said, you know, he had had a bad day, okay? Uh, in fact, I, I think he was rabid, like it was not good. And, and so my history had been like, just like, oh, you know, like if I, like literally, like if I jumped at a German shepherd and yelled and pointed, that German shepherd would leave. Well, this squirrel was not that German shepherd. This squirrel, when I did my thing, actually I felt like he just looked at me and went, roar, like, <laughs> bring it on. And, and so I did it again. And, and, and after the second time, this thing now has not just doubled down, but I feel like he's on me, like he's gonna. And so I, I literally, I, I'll admit it, I started turning and running down the path. As I'm running down the path, I hear this voice behind me say, Brian! And I realized I just left my very pregnant wife behind to deal with a rabid squirrel. I'm that guy. So I'm so sorry, honey. I just wonder how many of us, as we bring our whole story and as we walk with an expectant faith, have had a moment where life got tough, things got hard. Maybe it was a squirrel, figuratively, that, you know, tried to pull you off the path. Maybe it's actually a squirrel right now that it really is just that tiny, but you're allowing it to intimidate you, cause fear for you to think that God can't deal with that. Come on, help me redeem this story. There's a God that says, listen, if you're following me, there is nothing that you come across that I'm not going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. 
I might leave her in the moment. So sorry. But God, he never leaves us. Whatever we're facing and going through. And so when we begin to realize that, we begin to see how they were able to walk faithfully and deal with things and why it says that the world was not worthy of them. You see, one of the cures for boredom is walking with our whole story in an expectant faith and then beginning to invite others into that. So we have God, but we also have others and aren't alone. It's been a really powerful weekend at Pathway. Uh, you know, we have our men's retreat. They're coming, they're probably getting on the road, coming back right now. 50 of our guys, here's a picture. Uh, I'm in that picture. I was there with my, uh, actually with two generations, three, my dad, me, and my son. And uh, it was amazing to be a part of and to see what the Lord is doing. What we see in that are stories, whole stories coming into the light men that are encouraging and sharpening one another and saying, we're going to walk together with this expectant faith. You're going to hear more and more, I believe, in, in the days and weeks ahead as our men's group moves to Wednesday nights and as our women are on Wednesdays. You got to see what the women did yesterday. This is their brunch, 150, 60 women. Amazing. Amazing. And again, the power of whole stories being shared, coming into the room, and an expectant faith about what God can do when we allow God to be God, when we walk by faith in those moments. Now, as you think about this and what it might mean for you, because this will cure your boredom, right? Bottom line is you may be bored with Sunday morning church. <gasps> you mean he knew? How do he know? Because I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. You need to know, like, I don't do this as a job. I don't do this as a role. I do this because my love is for Jesus and wanting to answer his call to help others find and follow Jesus. That's all I care about. So there are often times when I ask myself the question, not just here, but when I was pastoring in Michigan, is this a church that I would want to attend, that I would want to be a part of? And, and more times than not, the answer is yes, but it's not just because of what happens in a service. You see, it's actually when we get into the life of the church, we get into community, we begin connecting with others, that it becomes less boring and more of what we're probably looking for. There's an invitation that God invites us into in every season. I'll tell you more about that in a minute, but turn with me to Romans chapter 8. This will be our closing text for this morning. I want to unpack this because as I prayed about it, I thought it fits so well, right? In Hebrews 11, it says some had victory, some had struggle and suffering. And we need to be reminded about how God shows up in that and, and doesn't allow us a boring life. It's really an adventure. So Romans 8 verse 26 says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about the idea that you come to prayer, not with an agenda to just give your asks, but to listen and to allow God to speak in. Verse uh, 27, and he who searches hearts 
knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is so important to understand because when we enter in and move out of a life that we've tried to create and we say, God, it's no longer about my will or my agenda, it's about yours. Now God begins to to move in ways that allow us to let go of our plans. Some of us are bored because our plans are too small. I mean, think about this. When you go to prayer, you are going to the God of the universe, the author, the creator, the one who is over all. And all I know is I don't want my will anymore because I'm too small, I'm too finite, I'm fallible. I don't want me in the way if he's got something bigger. What about you? What does it look like for you to say, God, do your thing, have your way. What is your will? Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. Can you say all things? things. Work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. And this is so important for us to be reminded of. That there is a God, in in that text, 28, often is used at funerals. And, And I'm not saying that's a bad spot for it. I think it's a good word if used appropriately. But Romans 8, the entire chapter, is in the context of life. The context of a of of Paul, the writer, saying Jesus brings life and the Holy Spirit imparts life and then in all things, God works for the good of those who have been loved by him, called according to his purpose. Can I get an amen, church? You, You see, when you look at it that way, you begin to see that that's not boring. That's God saying, in every season, I wanna do something. I wanna show up in your life. So if you're taking notes, curing boredom, the third one is by turning up your prayer life and God's purposes in all things. That as we turn up our prayer life and say, God, what is your plan? What is your will? He begins to reveal that and show that. And then his purpose for us becomes more clear. I I can remember, you know, sitting in that, in a church a number of years ago and, and realizing that it was in a season, I was in a season, and I, I honestly was getting bored. And, and here's what I've learned over the years. Um, if you don't deal with curing boredom, then wherever you go next, if you decide to go to another church, or you decide maybe you're coming in from another church right now, like that boredom is going to show up wherever you're at. It usually takes about two to three years typically, and then you start to feel that. Anybody? I'm sorry, am I just dialing you down the middle today or what? So I'm sitting in this church. We'd been there, you know, we're newly married. And and I can remember I had the same conversation with the same five or six people for six weeks in a row. Right? It's the, how are you? Good. How was your week? Good. And then you go to the next one. Anybody? And so as that's unfolding, I had to realize that the only way to cure that boredom was to listen to what God was showing me and that God was showing me and Cindy that we needed to get involved in a group. We actually joined a class on Sunday mornings in the church. We began to hear whole stories, get to know names, get to know other people that changed things for us. 
But even that was a little bit boring until I actually began to sense that God wanted me to serve and, and use my gifts to get in the game. And, and so it was actually in, in that space that I realized, like, how many of you are football fans? It's football season, y'all. It is a fun time. I cure my boredom over the years often with football. I'll be honest, okay? And, and God's like, maybe you don't need to watch every game every day, right? I don't, but it's a thing. And, and we have to recognize, I mean, football season is here. And it's, it's really cool. Vero, I mean, Vero Beach High is 2-0 right now. Masters Academy is 2-0 right now. College football is kicking off this weekend. NFL football is coming soon. I mean, it's a fun season, but here's what I've learned as a former player and as a former coach. My name and number aren't being called anymore. My guess is yours probably isn't either. You see, we can cheer and we can root and we can pour money into this, to the watching it and into being in the stands, but we're not getting our name and number called. We don't get to play that game. But God says, hey, I want you in the game. I want you to participate. I want you to be a part of what's happening. I want to use your gifts and your talents. I want to show you what I can do. And that will be a part of curing your boredom is finding your purpose. So we've got a great opportunity. You know, if you go to our website on the calendar, there's groups there's serving opportunities, all kinds of things. And here's what I would tell you is you need to just pray and listen to what God's will is. I was actually reminded this week that as I sat in that church and as we prayed about God, what do you want to do? That I sat there one Sunday at 23 years old when they put up the need for children's ministry. Now I was planning on being a high school and college coach and teaching and doing all that stuff. And, and yet here was my church saying, we have a need in children's ministry. So at 23, I actually would drive an hour to this church from where I went to college. I had a trunk full of hula hoops. I became the children's Wednesday night games guy. It was the craziest thing. It was so much fun. It cured my boredom. And then God began to speak. And over time, I went from children's ministry to youth ministry to young adult ministry, to planting a church, to then being a senior pastor, to now living in Vero Beach. That's an adventure. There is no part of my life, no part of my life that has been bored by God's grace. So we want to play for you just a short 90 second video and ask that you would pray and listen to God's invitation for you. It may be for children's ministry. It may be for something else. But we want to highlight that your church has a need right now, an opportunity, an invitation on the table to be a part of a growing kids ministry here at Pathway. Check it out. Hi, I'm Pastor Eleanor, the pastor for our Pathway Kids. Guiding our children to adulthood in Christ is the most important duty we have here at Pathway. Our Pathway Kids are the future of our church, our community, our world, and our faith. We need loving volunteers to help our Pathway Kids experience the goodness of God through our curriculum and the relationships we build with them. You don't need to have experience as an educator. All you need is love for these children and a servant's heart. Mark 9, 36 through 37 says, And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, 
He said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Seeing them grow and learn is a blessing, and we promise you'll receive more from volunteering than you could imagine. If you listen closely, you may hear God calling you to serve our Pathway Kids. But wait, there's more. When you begin your service as a Pathway Kids volunteer, you receive this adorable t-shirt. Don't wait, sign up today. You can sign up at our Welcome Center or in the cafe. Thanks so much. We're Pathway Kids and we need you. We need you. Horrible, so good. And uh, pray about it. Listen to the Lord. Listen to what his will is for your life. Uh, you can get volunteer information for any area of serving, uh, which honestly, if you're bored with Sunday morning, start serving. Start serving. Get involved. It's going to make a difference in your life. We believe in what God is doing here in this room. Amen? It's worship and the word. I'm not downplaying what God is doing. I'm just saying what you might be feeling is because he's asking you to get in the game. And there's ways to do that. Now, I want to share with you three more verses. This is to finish. This may be, in, in many ways, some of the most important things you hear today. Because as you think about turning to Jesus, curing boredom, getting involved, you need to be reminded your identity. Because we live in a culture right now that is absolutely trying to steal and rob, kill and destroy your identity and mine in Christ. So let's go there. Verse 29 through 31 of Romans 8. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. Say conformed. Okay, let's say it again. Conformed. There we go. To the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he also called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That is such good news. We talk about curing boredom. And if you're taking notes, the last uh, point here is by turning up the word of God over your life and being conformed to whom he has predestined you to be. Not being conformed to what the world and culture is trying to press on us, not being conformed to what others are saying, but being conformed to what God has designed and who Jesus is. And when you think about that and what it means for your life, he's going to work through every season, through your whole story. He's going to remind you that he foreknew you. He predestined you. He has called you. Anybody else been rescued and reached by the Lord? Anybody else been called out and saved? And as he calls us out, he says, listen, you don't have to carry the weight of justifying yourself anymore. In a world that is defensive, competitive, tears one another down, tries to justify its actions, we are reminded in Romans 8 that because you're called, you're also justified. That when we look to Jesus, he says, yeah, they're a hot mess, but they're my beautiful creation now. I've forgiven them. I've redeemed them. They are mine. They're becoming more like me. They're being conformed into the image of my son. And that's incredible to think about because Jesus came fully God, fully man. It's the doctrine of the incarnation. And in that, he demonstrated life, 
Not a boring life, an adventurous life, lived in the spirit, marked by the presence of God that's available to us, that we can walk like Jesus, that it's not just another ideal, but it's actually a possible reality that we can be conformed into the image of Jesus and experience life as it was meant to be. He has predestined us for that. He's called us. He's justified us. And then it says, he's glorified. He is glorified and glorified in and through us when we follow him by faith. And in the end, when those in Hebrews 11 rise again, when he returns, whether we, he returns before our death or after, if we have Jesus, we're all going to be in that cloud of witnesses where he says, these are my children, my sons, my daughters. I called them, I justified them, and I'm getting glory now because of what he has done in and through and for us. So what is God saying in revealing to you today? Because that's the question that matters the most. You you see, I, I don't have any other agenda than to see our church, my life and yours, learn to face, follow, and give our life to Jesus. That's it. That's it. And I want to show you how expectant my faith is because look at my first next step question. It's really simple. Will you turn to Jesus and trust and obey what he is showing you? As I'm praying and preparing, that's a risky question because it assumes, it expects that God has shown you something today through his word. And it isn't my abilities. I know that it's only the Holy Spirit working. It's only his word that goes forth to accomplish its purpose. So the question you have to wrestle with is not what did I hear from the pastor, but what am I hearing from God through his word? What is he inviting me to? Because that invitation is to an adventure with Jesus that when you live it out, you cannot and will not be, you'll have moments of boredom, but you will see boredom in its entirety cured as you follow Jesus. So, will you turn to him? Will you face him and trust him and obey him with what he's showing you? And then secondly, will you pray with expectant faith today? I could think of no better way to finish this series than calling our church to pray with an expectant faith that believes that God has huge plans for your life and the life of this church in the next season. And if anything, we got to get our our agenda and our will out of the way to say, Lord, what's yours? And we do that through prayer. So we're going to finish with a time of prayer today. And uh, we haven't done this actually in a few months. It's something we do every once in a while. If you're a visitor, welcome. You know, we believe that in scripture, the early church did things like this. They prayed when they gathered. So the first Uh, One, you can form a prayer circle of four to eight right in this room. If you're online, our chat host is there for you. That group of four to eight, you can pray for one another, pray for the church, pray for what God is doing as we close this series and get ready to walk by faith. Amen? If he leads you to prayer walk the parking lot, I think you can get one lap in in about 10 minutes. I do it quite often. Okay? I'm just sharing that to say... It's hot, but I'm pretty sure we can handle 10 minutes. So if if you want to go prayer walk, take your group. Go prayer walk the perimeter of the parking lot and call on God to do something in his church here. Amen? Secondly, you may want to just pray individually right where you're at. 
Uh, you may want somebody to pray for you. That's the third thing. Myself, some of our leaders, prayer partners will be up here and, and happy to pray with you, pray over you, whatever, whatever you need. So that's how we're going to close the series is with an expectant faith that says God's, God's moving and he's going to move through his people as we get in the game, as we cure our boredom by looking to Jesus and participating in whatever he's showing us. Amen? I'm going to pray. When I pray, you'll be released to pray and we'll have some background music playing and we get to just be the church together. Aren't you glad you're here today? Uh, I should say, if you are a visitor, uh, we'd invite you to be a part of this. Uh, we'd also invite you when you're uh, ready to go, which you can leave whenever you feel ready, uh, to come to our Welcome Center. We have a gift. We'd love to connect with you and welcome you. I also forgot to mention, there are so many orange shirts in the room that they would have got me if I didn't say this. Love our kids' ministry. Amen? Can we give them a hand? They are ready to, to have a, an open house, kind of, so anybody that would like to just go see the new kids renovation, the new kids wing, get more information about volunteering and serving, when you're ready after prayer, you can go out those doors, down that wing, they're ready to receive you. Amen? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for generations following by faith. Thank you for this series. Thank you for the call to faith. Thank you for today. The ability that we have to look in your word and to see how applicable it is to our lives today. There is nothing boring about following you, Jesus. It's an invitation to the adventure of a lifetime. And I just pray that we would accept that invitation today. That whatever you're showing us, we would trust and obey. As we go to prayer, I pray that whether we're individuals or in groups, whether we stay in the room or walk the property, that you would use a church, a praying church, a house of prayer to be able to receive your will and what's next. We believe you have plans for us that are beyond anything we can hope or imagine. And we invite you to meet us as we pray. Two or three, where two or three are gathered, there you are. So thank you for meeting us today. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Be the church.